This podcast is brought to you by the IIEA, the Institute of International and European Affairs. Join the discussion on IIEA.com and access our engaging videos, blogs and podcasts. Good morning to our audience and in particular to our guest, the Vice President and Economy Minister of one of the Euro area's largest economies. Before very briefly framing today's discussion, let me introduce our speaker. Nadia Calvino has been second Vice President and Minister for Economic Affairs and Digitalization of Spain since March 2021, and a senior member of the Spanish government since the current Socialist Party administration took office in 2018. Before her career in national politics, she had a distinguished period as a civil servant in the European Commission in Brussels, serving as Director General of the DG Budget, Deputy Director General with special responsibility for financial services, and Deputy Director General in DG Competition with special responsibility for mergers and antitrust, including cartels. In her remarks today, over 20 minutes or so, the Vice President will provide a Spanish perspective on the future of the Euro area. Having slowly overcome the truly existential crisis the single currency suffered in 2010, 2011 and 2012, a new Euro crisis beckoned as the pandemic broke out last year, causing economies around the world, including those in Europe, to plunge into recession. Agreement on the Eurozone economic policy response was not immediate and acrimony among the members reigned in the first weeks and months of the pandemic. But by last summer, a groundbreaking agreement had been reached, which allowed European institutions issue debt in considerable quantities and distribute the monies to member states in the forms of both loans and grants. How all this will be managed, how effective it will be, and how significant a development it will end up being are topics the Vice President and our discussion are likely to cover over the course of the next hour. As usual, you can put your questions via the Q&A function at the bottom of your screen, and if possible, please identify yourself when putting forward those questions. Today's discussion and the Q&A are both on the record. Vice President, welcome to the IIEA, and the floor is yours. Thank you very much for the, for the invitation. I'm, I'm really sorry I can't go to Ireland, and this invitation has been extended for, for years now, and one reason after another made us made it impossible to to make it to to Ireland and I'm very sorry I'm really looking forward to the day we can meet again in person but nevertheless I think it is a great opportunity to have this exchange uh, in in this format as we're all used to do on a daily basis now and uh, happy to share some thoughts on what has been going on what's going on and the outlook in in the in Europe in in general and happy to take your questions afterwards I, as you were very, as you were saying, and I fully agree. Uh, after this very, very tough year, very tough months, uh, and I think that Ireland and and Spain have been suffering the different waves of the pandemic in a, with a different intensity, but we have both our countries have have uh, suffered uh, enormously from a human, from an economic perspective, etc we are entering a new phase, a recovery phase. All the economic indicators are signaling that that is the case. There is still a high uncertainty. We are now focusing very much on this Delta variant and, and what's going to happen in terms of the, of the coming weeks. 
But nevertheless, I think that thanks to vaccination, we all see the light at the end of the tunnel and we have entered a, a phase where fortunately discussions are not only about crisis management, but more about how to build back better. Now, what kind of uh, recovery do we want and how to get out of this crisis stronger, more resilient? So I'd like to share three uh, thoughts on, on, on the issues that you have uh, put on the table. The first one is that the work to shape the recovery doesn't start now. If we were to begin our, our job uh, to, to try to build back better now, we would be already much too late. So fortunately, since March last year, we uh, have taken, I think, the right decisions. The response to this crisis has been very different to the response to the previous financial crisis. Some of the institutions we, we put in place at that time have proven to be extremely useful to, to respond to this one. I'll come to this in a second. And, um, and so the decisions we have taken have come already a long way to avoid this structural scarring and therefore to prevent to, to, uh, more structural damage, to protect a basis for the recovery. Uh, the short-term response that we crafted in the Eurogroup, I think, was, has proven to be extremely effective, not to speak about the response of the European Central Bank, obviously. But beyond this short-term financial uh, support, uh, as you rightly said, the agreement reached last July be between the European leaders for this uh, next generation EU long-term recovery plan is, is really uh, groundbreaking. It's a, it's a milestone in terms of the building of the European Union. For the first time, we have agreed to borrow together in order to invest together in our common future. And that is uh, shaping the union in a very different fashion going forward. So this very different response I think is uh, showing through all the different macroeconomic indicators. In the case of Spain, we estimate that the drop in GDP uh, in 2020 would have exceeded 25%. More than 3 million jobs would have been destroyed if we had not taken the right measures in March. What we have seen is that uh, very differently from previous uh, economic crises, where a, a small drop in GDP immediately causes a massive job destruction in the country and therefore starts a, a very a deadly uh, kind of spiral uh, that magnifies the impact of economic cyclical variations. Conversely to this situation that we have seen in all previous crises, what we have seen this time is that the measures we have taken to protect jobs, to protect the economic tissue, to protect household income has dampened this uh, impact, has minimized the negative impact on, on the job market. And uh, more than 90% of the jobs destroyed have already been recovered. The numbers of people covered by short-term work, work schemes, which in Spain are called, are known by ERTES, by the acronym ERTES, uh, they, uh, the numbers are going down uh, and, uh, and the trend is continuing and therefore that has allowed to protect um, not only um, job, um, not only dependent um, employees, but also self-employed workers and uh, the economic tissue and, and they, we see that there's an ability to, to bounce back much stronger than if we hadn't taken those measures and we would have had a, a structural scarring. My second um, reflection is on the uh, outlook. 
And here again, I think the economic outlook is positive. I mean, yesterday we got the update, uh, updated forecasts by the European Commission, which have uh, for the most part been revised upwards. They, uh, they uh, signaled Spain as one of the fastest growing economies, Ireland too, in uh, 2020 and uh, 2021. And, um, and that, that is good, uh, but I think the most important uh, challenge ahead is to ensure that this is not just a temporary bouncing back, but a solid, sustained, sustainable in the mid-run recovery. And here again, uh, an interesting feature of this crisis, which is different to, to previous crises, is the alignment of narratives throughout the EU and also globally. And, um, and this, is, this is extremely important. We're at, uh, at a time that economic policy is important, but just as important is, is political economy. And the fact that throughout the world, everybody's talking about sustainable and inclusive growth is extremely important. And uh, 10 years ago, you wouldn't expect the IMF to be talking, in, you know, using these words and looking for these uh, targets, not to speak about the G20 statements, which despite the heterogeneity of the G20 members are continuously talking about inclusive and, and sustainable growth. And that I think is due to the increased awareness that uh, we cannot um, go back to, or we have to heal some of the scars that were still uh, suffering from the previous financial crisis in terms of the increased, uh, and then Spain is, is a, again, a very good example. The, uh, since 2008, what we saw was a, a dramatic drop in investment. Public investment dropped from around 4 or 5% of GDP to 2%, and it did not recover since. Even in those years where there was very strong growth, there were some years where investment was scarcely enough to uh, uh, maintain the uh, capital in the country and this is uh, roads and, and highways this is airports and and train stations but this is also hospitals and schools and uh, that drop in public investment translated into also a drop in in private investment particularly in the area of r d and that obviously is dragging potential growth going forward but more Interestingly, maybe uh, the inequalities rose as a consequence of the financial crisis and the, and the indexes put uh, our country um, as one of the laggards in terms of, of some very significant indicators, for example, in terms of child poverty. And society is not going to accept that these indicators amongst others uh, continue to worsen going forward as a consequence of this pandemic. And I think there is a very uh, increased a very clear awareness on the side of all the inter international institutions and the leaders that we absolutely need to um, avoid uh, that there is a, a further social scarring as a consequence of this crisis, which is obviously hitting um, most importantly women and the young, as happened with the financial crisis, for very different reasons, because of the uh, vulnerabilities in the labor market because of the intensity of this kind of uh, these, these groups uh, of citizens in those sectors that have been more severely hit, such as tourism and uh, uh, etc. No? But also beyond the short term challenges, there is an increased awareness of the need to tackle the more structural trends that have been going on for a while and that have accelerated as a consequence of the pandemic. Digitalization is an obvious one. 
but also climate climate change is a challenge that that we're becoming increasingly aware of i mean i don't need to to call attention to what's been going on in, in north america in recent weeks and so everybody is aware that we need uh, aware of the fact that we need to tackle climate change that we need to invest now to live a better world for future generations intergenerational fairness and i close my my second point with these i think is a very important uh, guiding uh, principle we must bear in mind because to respond to this crisis we have been forced to issue massive amount of public debt in the case of spain it will be around 150 billion euros extra uh, debt issuance as compared to our, for our plans before the pandemic hit us and these can be a burden on future generations if we don't manage to make the right decisions now and make the right investments and tackle these structural challenges with a view to providing them with uh, the life and uh, and uh, work opportunities and and prospects uh, in 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 the future you know in, in the coming decades in this sense, the Spanish recovery plan is particularly ambitious. Um, we want to invest ambitious in, in quantitative, qualitative, and also time-wise uh, perspectives. Um, very ambitious on a quantitative basis. We want to invest around 70 billion euros. That's the transfers foreseen for Spain in the um, next generation EU instruments between 2021, for the most part, between 2021 and 2023. So an important front loading of these investments with a view to achieving a structural jump, if I may call it this way now. And so to put the Spanish economy on the right track as soon as possible. Very ambitious in terms of the structural reforms and the qualitative nature of this investment, focusing on uh, human capital, focusing on R&D, uh, the green transition, the digital transition, and uh, quite um, um, important significant structural reforms and we're making good progress uh, on these reforms uh, on the basis of, of social uh, dialogue and uh, ambitious from a time perspective as i was saying because there is a front loading of investments and reforms so that we can have a, a macroeconomic and material impact uh, right now when when we need it you know uh, when we need to uh, support a strong sustained sustainable recovery from the pandemic my third and, and final point is more of a broader European perspective. And, um, and it is to say, I, my impression is that we, we have, um, you know, as we start to, to see the, the way out of the pandemic, I think we have to note the fact that we have survived or overcome rather um, a stress test which goes much beyond the wildest dreams of the meanest uh, kind of macroeconomic uh, forecast uh, or central banker or you know financial supervisor uh, they no no macroeconomic scenario would have foreseen what we have uh, gone through we have taken very significant measures to avoid a financial uh, crisis such as the one we suffered and to avoid this structural scarring. We have seen that this is uh, um, much wiser, even from a fiscal point of view. We see that the drop in public revenue has been smaller than we would have uh, anticipated last spring. 
the negative impact in terms of unemployment uh, and and um, and firm destruction has also been uh, much smaller than than uh, some would have anticipated and therefore to a certain extent uh, this test has shown that some of our institutions we're up to the test and that some of our institutions are actually anti-fragile, you know, and so the pandemic has exposed many of our vulnerabilities, but let us also look at, at our strengths, you know, in that have been confirmed with the response to, to this crisis. And likewise, uh, my impression is that we have a window of opportunity now um, to tackle these challenges uh, and to um, take, you know, take some and implement some measures that will definitely shape the coming 20 years uh, in the European Union. But there are a number of elements that made me optimistic that this time around we will uh, profit or we will uh, use this window of opportunity to um, ensure that the shaping, uh, the you know, the future shape of the of the European Union is going to be the one that future generations are expecting from all of us, because this alignment of um, discourse of, of um, political economy, as I was saying, kind of um, statements and speeches, no matter the the kind of um, government, the political orientation of the governments, no matter uh, the uh, approach that was taken. Christ alignment uh, of the planets uh, throughout the key jurisdictions in the world is, is absolutely indispensable in order to ensure, to close with this, uh, with this expression, that we indeed do build back better. So I close my remarks with this a positive thought and I'm happy to take your questions. This podcast is brought to you by the IIEA, the Institute of International and European Affairs. Join the discussion on IIEA.com and access our engaging videos, blogs and podcasts.